My topic for this morning is can't stay here. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you know that you are not moving forward in your life, in, in faith. You are stuck. Maybe you feel like you are spiritually idling and you're not really going where you know God has called you to go. And so I have a word from the Lord this morning for all of us. Can't stay here. The Bible describes us as citizens of heaven. The word says that we are exiles and sojourners, that we are travelers on a journey and that we are headed toward a city, a eternal and celestial city that has been designed and built by God. And so following Jesus means that you are following. So this entails that you are not standing still, that you are in fact moving as you are following your master who has called you from death to life. And so now you respond and you follow him. So to follow Jesus means that you cannot stand still. Jesus would say to us as first Baptist built in today, can't stay here. And he speaks this from Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 62. Let's read God's word together. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him and went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. And they went on to another village. As they were going on along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds have the air, have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Towards the end of Jesus' life here on earth, he was traveling with his disciples to Jerusalem. And if you have read the Gospels, you know that this would be his last journey. He would go to Jerusalem to then suffer and to die, be buried. And so this is, this is the path that he is following and so compelled by the Spirit to accomplish the purposes of his Father. Jesus could not stay where he was. Jesus knew he can't stay here. He needed to go to Jerusalem, even though that was the road marked with pain and suffering and eventual death. 
he first stops or sends messenger rather to stop with the Samaritans and he's rejected. We don't know why, perhaps because of racism, Samaritans hated Jews, but it could also be that they rejected Jesus because he was the Messiah and they did not believe that. So they rejected him as the Messiah, regardless of what it was, they rejected and said no to Jesus. And then in the story, you see James and John. Oh, James and John. Um, now, I'm not sure exactly why, but I've had people indicate to me, I don't know, making an observation that I can be, I don't know, intense. Um, if you think I'm intense, these two brothers wanted to pull on Elijah and call fire down from heaven to barbecue all the Samaritans. That's intense. And what you have here is the ultimate come to Jesus moment. Because Jesus gave these two brothers a rebuke and says, No, that is not why I came. I did not come to destroy those that you dislike. I came here to seek and save the lost. And so they continue traveling and they meet three people. We just read. And these three people want to follow Jesus, or so they think they do, but they very quickly realize that the call to follow Jesus means can't stay here. Can't do it. So let me give you the primary truth from this text. And then we're going to look at it here together this morning. The primary truth is that Jesus calls us to follow him no matter the cost, because he is worth it. Jesus calls us to follow him no matter the cost, because he is worth it. We're going to look at the three parts of this primary truth and look at it one by one in this text. And so number one, Jesus calls us to follow him. We meet a man here who wants to follow Jesus. He genuinely seems to want to. And Jesus says, okay, fine, that's great. But if you follow me, just a heads up. You will have nowhere to lay your head. Just like I have nowhere to lay my head. So forget about having a fat house. Forget it. Forget the American dream. You're not even going to have a house. But you can follow me if you think I'm worth it. And then there's the next person that's, and Jesus says to him, follow me. And man says, yes, sounds great. Yeah, I want to follow you, Jesus. And he says, but first I need to go to my father's funeral. And Jesus says to him, nope, I'm the priority. Come follow me. And there's a third person who says, I will follow you, Jesus, but first, well, let's just stop right there. Like, you're already on the wrong track. Like, you're already messed up. If you're saying, Jesus, I will follow you, but, but first, it's like, you already missed it. There is no but first. There is Jesus. And so he says, but first, let me just go home and say goodbye to my family. 
And Jesus says, no, sir. Don't look back. Just follow me right now. Can't stay here. Now, Jesus can seem, if we're really honest, a little bit harsh. It's like, Jesus, why are you hating on these peeps? They just want to follow you. They have come to you and they actually want to follow you. Why are you being so hard on them? Just let up a little. But you have to understand what is a follower of Jesus. And we cannot confuse it with our Texas cultural, casual Christianity. What is a follower of Jesus? A follower of Jesus is someone who has turned from their sin and is trusting in Jesus alone as their Savior. They have surrendered their lives where Jesus is King. He is Lord and Master. So they've surrendered their will to Him as their Lord and the Spirit of God lives in that person and that transforms everything about who they are from the inside out. So if that is true, if it's true, and I know that it is, and it's not my authority. It is based upon the revealed word of God. If this is who a believer is, then that must change how we live and our priorities, our allegiances, how we spend our money, our time should change and be bowed to the authority of Jesus. This is what the Bible says a believer, a follower of Jesus is. It changes everything. So you know what happens? You get a new heart. You get all new desires and you, you long, you yearn for Jesus. But you don't just get a new heart, you get a new mind. And with this new mind, all of a sudden you hunger for God's word. And you, you desire to obey Him. You want to obey. But you also get a new soul. Like you're made new holistically, mind and Heart and soul where you sense the presence of God because His Holy Spirit and your human spirit are interwoven and you are one. He is in you. You're made completely new and you have a new purpose. You have a reason to live. And this reason to live is not to amass wealth. Your reason to live is to reach those that are far from God. You were given a priceless mission to continue the mission that Jesus came in this world to accomplish. And so Jesus here summarizes our purpose as followers. He says, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. There it is. Don't worry about your other affairs. Don't worry about your comforts in your home. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. He is calling us right here and right now to live on mission for him right here in Belton every day. If you are a believer, you are a missionary, period. Now, there are people that are called to the frontier. So I was just in South Asia this summer with our adopted people group that are very far from God, unreached, the Sega. And when you go there, 
What you see is where the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, where, where you, you're at the frontier of the gospel being proclaimed and going forth. Yes, yeah, so there is frontier missions, absolutely. But this is as much the ends of the earth as it is in the Middle East, because where this was written in the Middle East, um, Texas is to the ends of the earth. We're already at the ends of the earth now, friends. So be on mission here. Yes, it's also global, but it starts local from Jerusalem to ends of the earth. It starts in our Jerusalem right here in Bell County. This is the call. This is the purposes of God. Can't stay here. God's purpose is to see people from the ends of the earth to be in awe of His majesty. To recognize and and to taste His infinite worth. To bow down before His His glory in adoration. He exists. God has a purpose for our existence is that we would be saved so that we can reach other people so that they will join us in praising Him alone who is worthy. It's all about the praise of God. That is the purpose. God being glorified and displaying His glory in our salvation is the means to that end. So, the primary truth here is Jesus calls us to follow Him. Number two, no matter the cost. No matter the cost. Verses 51 and 53 that we just read. Jesus is setting His face, it says, towards Jerusalem. Remember the context. Jerusalem is suffering and crucifixion and burial. That is where he is headed. He has set his face. He has set his purpose, his will that is submitted to the Father's will. And that's where he is going, willing to pay the price for our redemption. So Jesus had his eyes fixed on the glory of God. And so now, for the glory of God, God calls us to follow Jesus no matter the cost because he already paid the ultimate cost with his own life. So understand what's going on here. That we are called to follow him no matter the cost. Why again do we think that Jesus was so mean or, or so harsh with these three people that wanted to follow him? What you're seeing here is not hate. This is love. The way Jesus treats these three would-be followers is mercy. Let me explain why. Jesus looks into your heart. He made you. He knows you. You were made by Him and for Him. And he knows the idols that are in your heart and in mine. He knows where our affections lie. He knows what makes your heart beat fast. Jesus knows in your heart what is competing for your affections. What you love more than you love him. He knows that. And he knows what you are honestly pursuing. 
And Jesus, because he is infinitely wise, he also knows that that idol that you want to give yourself to will consume you. That that idol will enslave you and leave you in bondage. He knows that that idol will eventually lead you to destruction. It'll destroy you. And he knows. And he loves you. And he doesn't want that for you. He wants you to live in his presence where there is joy forevermore. And so because he knows He tells this first would-be follower, hey, your idol is your home. You will have no place to lay your head. He's identifying this person's particular idol. Jesus knows, just like he knows you and me, that if that person would have gone home, they would have walked into their house, they would have seen their garden in the backyard, they would have logged on to the bank account on, on, on their cell phone and they would have seen their 401k and would have looked at their savings account and would have then looked at all of their long-term planning and they would have looked at the home that they, their mortgage and their, for their, their, their house that they can barely afford and all of a sudden they would have said, oh, I can't go follow Jesus. I have commitments here in my house. I, I have my home that I have to care for. I, I can't follow Jesus. I have American dream to pursue. So Jesus lovingly, graciously says, leave that idol of home there. Downsize your home. Some of you need to hear this. You're working 60 hours a week. You don't see your kids to pay your mortgage. Are you kidding me? Downsize your home. We're not playing games here. This is what Jesus is calling us to give up that idol. And if it is your home for the glory of God, for the betterment of your soul, the health of your family, the spread of the gospel, downsize it. Give up the idol if if it is your home. But person number two, it's family. They say, oh, I want to go bury bury my, my dead, my, my family. Jesus says, no, no, your idol is your family. If you go home for that funeral, you know what's going to happen? You're going to see all the people that you want to keep doing life with, and you won't come back to me. You won't. You're, you're gonna pursue those relationships and that family and you know that that's your idol. And so because I love you, the answer is no. You need to love me more than even your family. And then the third person comes and this person wants to look back and Jesus says, don't look back because looking back is longing. Longing for another life, longing for a different life. And some of us in this room, it's possible that you keep looking back and you are longing. You're looking at your life and how it's turned out and maybe it isn't the way you wanted or hoped or dreamed. And you have these longings, you want to look back and wish you could do it different. And you're not pressing forward in faith. You can't stay here. He says, don't look back, no more longings, long for me. There is no other hope and there's no other joy. Jesus loves us too much to allow us to pursue our idols. 
And so he points them out. And so if right now you are feeling this a little bit heavy, I want to remind you that I don't write the mail. I just deliver it. And the truth is that maybe we need this heaviness for a moment to evaluate and be real with ourselves and with our God and where our priorities really are. Primary truth, Jesus calls us to follow him no matter the cost. Number three, because he is worth it. Whatever the cost of following Jesus, he is worth it. Because you know what you get? You get Jesus. Following Jesus means that you were, must be willing. It doesn't mean that he'll ask you to, but at least you have to have a heart that is willing to lose everything if that's what it takes to gain Jesus. Because here's the key. Here's why I say can't stay here. From this text, what you see is in the face of rejection, even here it says you cannot follow Jesus by either looking back or giving your hearts to enslaving idols. You can't do it. He says can't stay here. You have to move forward and follow me. So what he would say to this faith family today is, can't stay here. Some of you, you can't stay here in your anxiety. You know you're anxious. You know it. And he's saying, you can't stay here in that. He has peace that he wants to offer you. Some of you, you can't stay here in your addiction. He wants to offer you freedom. Walking in the Spirit and experiencing true joy. He's saying, you can't stay here in that addiction. Come and follow me in faith and depend on me and walk in the Spirit and I will give you freedom. He says, can't stay here in your fear. He says, I want to make you brave. I want to make you bold. You can't stay here in your fear. You can't stay here in your greed. Following the godless American dream, you can't stay here in your selfishness. He wants to give you true joy in having a generous heart. can't stay here in your shame. He wants to heal and honor you. You can't stay here in your comfort. We can't stay here. How many of you have seen the movie WALL-E? Anyone here seen WALL-E? Not many of you. You should watch it. It's an animated movie. Uh, I think in second service, when there are people that have kids in their elementary school age, there will be more that will have seen it. If you haven't seen it, long story short, humanity in this movie has descended down to forgetting their purpose. Humanity doesn't work anymore, and everyone is so fat. Every All humanity is completely obese. No one can even walk. Like no one can even take one step. And all humanity now is on a scooter. And they have to be in a scooter to, to get around. All right, This is what you're seeing. Okay, Completely obese and immobile because they're eating too much and don't do anything. And this is the state of far too many churches. 
people that feed and feed and feed upon the word and are so incredibly well fed in their churches and yet they don't ever get off their spiritual couch. And they are obese. And at some point, you have to ask the question, is this what God made us to be like? And the resounding answer must be, no way! Can't stay here in our comforts. We have to be active, not just physically, spiritually, in order to reach a dying world right here in Bell County. Jesus calls us to follow him no matter the cost because he is worth it. Allowing this truth to sink into our souls and asking the spirit to reveal and to apply it will change your life. But you know what it also does? It changes the church. It changes the church's vision and direction. On May 21st of 2017, so just over a year ago, this faith family at a business conference, so the members voted to agree with the senior pastor and the elders to become a church planting church, to intentionally plant more churches beginning in Bill County across North America, and among the unreached across the world. So this is the vision that our pastor and the elders presented, and and we as a church said, yes, we agree. We believe that God is leading us to focus on being a multiplying church. So one year ago, Pastor Andy invited me, and by God's grace, he led us. My family left the Middle East after several years of serving and planting churches there. God called me to serve as your missions pastor, and it has been such a joy and honestly a privilege to do life with this church and to see the expansion of global missions in First Baptist. It has been such a joy and a privilege to just see God at work. And my passion is for people to see God at work through them. Because it lights a fire in us and it moves us to live on mission. But I am beginning the transition even now to no longer be the missions pastor. Well, I will be purely uh, the church planter. And once we launch our church plant, Renewal Church, on Easter then I will be the lead pastor of this new church. And if you're curious, there's more information in the foyer. You can pick up a booklet and read more about the vision for this new church. But Jesus has told First Baptist Belton, can't stay here. He is calling us to move forward and to plant more churches because no single church in Bell County can reach the entire population that is growing every single year. So no one church can reach everyone, but when we plant more churches, we can reach new people. So the point of planting renewal church is to spread the renewal of God in Bell County and in the world. We want people made new in Jesus and grow in Jesus and released into the world for Jesus. That is the mission statement of Renewal Church. So this is where we are headed 
to see more gospel proclaiming, Jesus treasuring, disciple making churches, beginning here in our Jerusalem and then to the ends of the earth. If you are a member of First Baptist Belton, then guess what? You are part of the church plant. If you're in this room, unless you're a visitor, then maybe not you. But other than first-time guests, if you're in this room, you will play a role in planting this new church. Because God has called us to do this. And so this is where we're headed. A week ago, so last Sunday evening in this very room, the members of this church agreed with the spirits leading, with our pastor's direction, the elders' agreement, the missions committee proposal, our members voted to designate September, which every year is our Texas missions offering. This year is going to be set aside for our local church plant. So next year we'll go back to what we normally do through Mary Hill Davis and fund church plants across Texas. But for this one year, this one September, we're going to designate our giving for Texas missions for the church plant that God has called us to plant right here in our community. So that means, if you remember, that means that you are already committed. You're on the boat. The boat is going in a certain direction. I guess you could jump ship, but I hope you don't. This is where we're going. You're on the ship. We're going this way. And so you're already a part of it. But the question is, how? What role will you play? How will you express your commitment to God? Maybe you feel called to pray. And as Pastor Randy said earlier in the service, The hope is that if you remember that, you would commit to pray. And if you're saying, I'm not going to pray for that new church, why? Why? You should at minimum commit to pray for this new church. But maybe God's calling you to give sacrificially. Our goal, which we will begin next week for all of September for Texas missions, again, this year set aside for our church plant. The goal is $45,000. I pray that we surpass that goal. Because in order to have the startup fully funded, it's $190,000. And we are right about 48000 up to this point. So even if we hit our goal, we are just past halfway on the fully funded part of the, the startup. Now, with building a new building that's equally exciting and that emphasis beginning very soon this fall, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, let's just knock this out. Let's just have it fully funded and say God is going to do that, and then we can focus our giving our attention to other things. But that begins next week. But maybe you feel called not just to give, but you feel called maybe to go. Maybe God has stirred in you a desire to go be on mission here and plant this new church. And so to you, what I would say is, come let me know. Last night we met with the launch team. It, first meeting, it was amazing. Read the word and laughed together and ate together and prayed in the evening that God would bless this new church. And so don't wait till September 30 for Clement Sunday. Come and let me know now and you can join the launch team. We're meeting every week in September for this month of emphasis. But as for you, go and proclaim 
the kingdom of God. We are now becoming a sending church. This is exciting. Some of you are nervous, though, let's be real. And you're nervous because you're afraid. You're afraid, oh, the church is going to change. You're afraid, my friends might go with, with this church planter. You're afraid, my children may go to the new church. And I don't want my kids going to a different church. Maybe you're afraid because you think, oh, no, we can't pay our bills if we lose people. Well, you're not losing anyone. You're sending them out on mission. And let me tell you something. We serve a God of miracles. We serve a God who can do the impossible and there is miracle and multiplication. And so trust me on this. It will be a blessing to this church to be a sending church. And God does the impossible. And I'm praying and I believe that we're going to see a thousand impossibilities this year bow before our King Jesus. He calls us to follow him no matter the cost because he is worth it. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe today is the first time that you have felt in your stirring a desire to give your life to Christ. You, you know now that he died on the cross for your sins and you realize that he is worth it. And so I would invite you in just a moment to come to the front and talk to our pastor Andy and and you can come to faith today and be made new and be on mission as well experience this joy. But all of us together need to commit to follow Jesus no matter the cost because he is worth it. Amen. And, and it is a blessing to be a planting church. We're finding that out now, and it's just the tip of the iceberg. The best is yet to be. God bless you, Matthew. Now, this morning, as Matthew said, there's someone here who needs Jesus. Is that person you? If so, when we stand in a moment, you're already sensing the tugging of the Holy Spirit at your heart. So when we stand, Brother Gary leads us in our invitation hymn, I'm asking you to slip out from your seat, come right here, place your hand in mine, and say, Pastor, I need Jesus. And one of our staff members or one of our lay leaders will be here to pray with you, to open God's Word, to share with you. And today, you can come to know Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And that is the greatest need of your heart. And I promise you, upon the authority of God's Word, not on my Word, but on the authority of God's Word, that you will not be sorry that you gave your life to Jesus. It will be a life-changing moment, and you'll rejoice forever because of what happens here today. Now, as we're singing, there's some of you who are praying, God, what do you want me to do in regard to renewal, in regard to being on mission right where I am? Whatever it is God is saying to you, then respond to him this morning by saying, yes, Lord, That's what you want me to do. That is exactly what I will do. So let's bow together. And when we stand in a moment to give your heart to Jesus, without delay, you come. Father, thank you for the challenge that Matthew's given us from your word today to understand that you've not called us just to fold our hands and sit, but you have called us to be on mission for you. 
And so I pray that you would speak to the hearts of every member of our church family. What is it you want us to do? And then we will respond in obedience. And, Father, in this moment, I know with this many people in one room, there are a number here who do not yet know Jesus. And right now, the Spirit of God is tugging at their heart. I pray the call of God will be so irresistible this morning that that man, woman, boy, or girl will say yes to Jesus, giving his or her heart to him as Savior and Lord. So I pray now that you will draw them to yourself. And, Father, bless us as we listen for the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit saying, This is the way. Walk in it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God speaks to your heart. You come as we stand and as we sing.